on this episode of the AIE Podcast. Congratulations are in order. Pet battles for fun and profit? <laughs> the Dark Side Challenge. Wildstar is going FTP. Razzie and OMF are here to talk about D&D, that's Dungeons and Dragons. Both kinds. All that and more coming up now. Bringing you the latest news from the AIE gaming community from planet Earth and beyond. This is the AIE Podcast. Good evening and welcome to episode 242 of the podcast celebrating the Alia Acta Est gaming community. I'm Makala, and with me as always is Aludra. Hey, AIE, I think you're awesome. And right over there, literally in my case, cleaning up my mess in the virtual world and real life is Ted Semi. Truth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this week... <laughs> Yeah, he's in trouble. And this week, we're joined by our very special guests for our very long-awaited D&D episode, Razzie and OMF, a.k.a. Old Man Franks. They're hey. going to talk to us, as I said, about D&D. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? OMF, you take it first. You I am it. doing absolutely fantastic, aside from whatever the heck is messing up my throat. <laughs> I'm confused. All Ted Semi did was agree with McCall, and he's in trouble. That's not fair. <laughs> How does marriage work? Gosh, darn it. Welcome to marriage? Uh, husbands exist <laughs> in various states of trouble. <laughs> 18 years, nah, we're fine. And as the ostensible bachelor in the park, yes, fine. Uh, I'm doing fine, all things considered. Because <laughs> there's no one telling you you're in trouble because you said truth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're we're going to continue the uh, chatting shortly with our two wonderful guests. So, Aludra, what has been going on with you in and out of game? Well, first off, I got two waters this week. This Yay! Week, all the water. You drink more. <laughs> Clearly, water. it's a hint, yes, for my family. I need way more water. Um, Let me see. Oh, what's been going on? Okay, well, the new Animal Crossing game's out, but I don't have that. And... <laughs> I want it. And let me see. Uh, I I was actually without internet for a while, which was kind of irritating. There was a snafu, and something went wrong, and something went pear-shaped, and waters were crossed. So I was actually without internet for a week. Oh, no. I know. It's why I missed Raid, everybody. It was so, so, okay. But I managed to beat, like, four Steam games <laughs> in all this time. <laughs> I have a pretty big download library uh, on my computer, thank goodness. Though if I had been forewarned, I would have come better prepared. And Fallout New Vegas is hard. It's like crazy hard. Like, what, you blow up one guy in a dog hat and suddenly everybody in a Roman outfit wants you dead? The dog hat guy called me a coward. And said, yeah, that was oh, deserved. You you're not going to do anything because... Because you're weak and lame. So I'm like, oh, yeah? And I grenaded his butt and he blew up and all his buddies blew up. And I killed, 
killed some normal dogs and took his hat as a trophy and then everybody else I thought this was the wasteland but everybody else magically knew I blew up dog hat guy and they were like oh Alindra you blew up dog hat guy so now we're not your friends anymore and I'm like but I was in a secluded place and nobody saw it happen so how did you know? Dog hat guy was the postman. No one got their post. They knew you'd done it. No, no, no. He's oh, yeah. way too snobby and way too big a jerk to give anybody their their letters from their mother. Okay, this guy was mean. I don't just grenade anybody. And now we've notes. proven. And now we've proven that Aludra is chaotic neutral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like you're not going to do anything. I just killed a whole town full of people, but you, you're a coward. Like they were, ha ha. And I'm like, boom. <laughs> I mean, what else do you do in this situation? Walk away. Walk away when somebody calls you a coward. But I'm really upset that everybody seems to know what I did. So like, <laughs> patrols of these these guys were like coming down on my head, and I'm like. Why can't we be friends? That guy was a jerk anyway. <laughs> I yeah, but he was the there on the difference. <laughs> so, besides what what is being now called justifiable homicide, what else have you done this week, woman? <laughs> um, I read four books and <laughs> I'm knitting a lot, but but yeah, that Fallout thing really got to me. <laughs> 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 That's <laughs> amazing. Oh, God. All right, so. Death. I'm the innocent party here. I am the woman. You're right. You're right. You're right. Justifiable homicide, dog hat guy. Got it. Death I'm dog hat guy. Never upset Aludra, guys. Just remind me of this. In the future. <laughs> Don't upset me when I've got an arsenal strapped to my back and you're calling me a coward. Oh, you're not going to pull a gun on me because you're a coward. It's like. Well, I'm in the wasteland. What else am I supposed to do but defend my own honor? (laughs) So, Ted, have you had any justifiable homicide this week? (laughs) Um, no. Oh, how boring. Uh, No, actually, um, (laughs) I wouldn't call it justifiable homicide. Just, you know, random... Orcs, you know, dying to uh, leveling up characters. That's about it. Because, no, 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 that's uh, genocide. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, c- yeah, considering there were Black Rock orcs and there were a lot of them coming in through burning steps, and yeah, it was fun. I forgot <laughs> how good the 50 to 60 leveling zones are yeah. that they got redone. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wish I they took... had I really do. I would have uh, loved this done. Yeah. No, I took my I took my bear tank who was 50 uh, to level 60 this week, and uh, I'm still working on the 11 by 11 project. How and, are you doing um, on that? Uh, I've got seven to 100, and I have two in the 90s and two in the two at 60. So we'll we'll see. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not, but I had a lot of fun with my bear tank. Um, it just <laughs> I forgot how good the animations are on druids and it's like you go up to something it's like okay do this move Rawr! and the bear just comes out and chomps on something you're like okay that was fine that's what he does I, I forget what move it is but it's just he comes up and you just see the paws go in the air and you see slash marks come through and it's like you go bear um, and my daughter goes over it. My daughter came over and goes, 
Why is there a bear butt on your screen? And I'm like, thank you. You've now named every druid that's ever bear butt. So, yeah, no, that's that's what I've been doing, uh, working on that, playing a ton of Diablo 3 in my spare time because season four is so good. It um, is so good. It is. They they sprinkled the magic dust just right in there. And this whole thing of um, you can take a legendary and put it in the cube along with the bonus mission parts and actually get that legendary text as a passive mm-hmm. is frankly quite amazing and um, it's account wide too which is just yeah. awesome to me you know yep and uh so i've been, I've been working on that uh, it is bonus weekend so if you haven't been playing anytime you complete a bonus oh, yeah. mission mm-hmm. you get uh i think it's now like 16 because you get double caches you get two of each cache and so you end up with like 16 of the Act um, bonus. Um, oh, holy moves! I don't know what I'm doing tonight, Pinky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Writing with Furt? Yeah, yeah, yes. but after that. <laughs> after that. Not this. Busted. No, you got to remember, bra- rating is how she starts her day, and then she goes into the wee hours of the night game. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. So, but what have you been up to, Makala? I just saw I'm a I, 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 <laughs> I've worked 50 plus hours this week, and I'm probably going to throw in a few more tonight once I get done. So she's, we, How's she's that got sound? penciled in, guys. She's got the homicide penciled in for later. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually about it. I read it with Furt, which is always a good time to car. We missed you. Yeah. Oh, ouch. Oh, well then. I see how it is. Well, I just said, I just told everybody I wasn't here for a week, and but it's the car we missed. You know what? You know what? I'm sensitive. I love, love. you, sweetheart. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was, I, I was actually calling him out as being bad. I wasn't calling you out. Okay. Because you already said what was going on and why you weren't there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, honestly, it's it's Dakar and I. We are. I. He is my brother. I it's will true. give him crap. You are his anything. co-pilot on the great highway of life. <laughs> I, I yes, I'm actually his navigator in the car. Oh God! Really? <laughs> <laughs> Is that Legion yet? Can I please switch no. mates? No, yes. To a to a demon hunter, so you turn to a demon and be my minion. No. Um, so that's... <laughs> I like it. Uh huh. My minion. I'm just going to go now. <laughs> I'm just going to exit stage right. Oh, hey, can I be on the show? Hey, this is Razzie. I want to be on the show. And then he's on the show and realizes we're we're a bunch of goof-offs. Anyway, so, Razzie, what have you been doing in-game? Or not out-of-game or whatever? <laughs> um, I am distinctly boring in this way. So okay. I haven't been able to play that many video games. I play very few video games. I play... Eve Online, I play League of Legends, I play Minecraft, and then one or two other things, like board games and Magic the Gathering and other things. The thing that has been consuming my life of all things right now, though, however, is a class in microbiology I'm currently taking. Hard hard work. Oh. Fascinating. So. Yeah. Dude, so. that, you need to be fully focused on that. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of microbiology, did you see that it was, what, a sixth grader won um, uh, her science fair? 
by coming up with a cheap and easy way to detect Ebola. Yeah. I was not like, aware of this. I need to yeah, find the article like about this. She like went to like, Google Science Fair. Yeah. The robot. Like amazing. Sorry. I am Googling this now. Continue with the show. I'm Googling this yeah, now. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it was, it was in the news. It was actually in the news today. I think I may have seen on NBC News. Um, so, Dakar. Yo. What have you been up, you what been you been up to besides not right on Thursday? <laughs> I, I told you. I got sick on Thursday nights. I've been sick pretty much all weekend. It sucks. Um, I've been, you know, uh, working a lot, uh, playing with my daughter when I get home from work, and... After she goes to bed, Fall TV just started, so Karen and I are catching up on all of our shows. Um, I've been playing a lot of Old Republic. I'm trying to finish leveling my uh, last two characters up to 55 before that 12x XP bonus goes away mm -hmm. uh, next month. Uh, trying to complete the 11 by 11 challenge, realizing very quickly that most of my tunes are in Draenor, and I am sick to death of leveling in that place. So That's why I did my 60. Yeah, I've actually been working on my Pandaren Warrior that's on the Alliance side just to see if maybe being in a different faction is helping. It kind of is, but for the most part, I think I'm just sick of Draenor. Um, right. Aside from that, just getting used to, I mean, anybody who's watching The Hangout can see this lovely room that I'm in, that I'm in my new house. Yes. So, yeah, trying to get our hack, trying to find places for everything, realizing we have very little furniture to fill a house. It's all very good. <laughs> Better having too little than too much. Exactly. Yeah. Gives you room to grow on. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have no other stuff going on. We're going to go ahead and now we're going to cover this week's news. AIE News. Love that bumper. Right? All right. We want to extend warm wishes to the Spagnolas on their Yay. newest edition. A gorgeous little baby daughter. She was much like her big brother. She really was excited to get out there in the world and came out early, <laughs> but everyone is doing wonderful. And she is healthy and just beautiful. Also, Everybody beautiful. So, yay, them. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yay, babies. Bibbies, bibbies. And also, big grats to AIE's master of RP talk, the cannibalistic troll, Mama Jamba. A few months ago, he started his own barbecue company, uh, barbecue sauce company, pardon me. Um, please check it out at thekillercook.com. Facebook is facebook.com backslash thekillercookbarbecue and thekillercook on Instagram. Also, there's a thing going on really soon in Anaheim in November. <laughs> yes, Yay! Uh, BlizzCon's coming the weekend of November 6th, and we are in the midst of planning the AIE Guild Hall. Uh, keep an eye on the forums, our homepage, and the AIE hash, or the AIE, what do you call it? At AIE on Twitter. There we go. Yeah. For up-to-date news. <laughs> okay, so it is Pet Battle Bonus Weekend. Yay! Or rather, <laughs> because they kind of 
know what? They kind of extended these things to be week long now. So from now until tomorrow the 28th, it's triple XP for all pet battles. And that's not counting the weekly event for your free pet battle stone. So go battle, earn XP, have fun. And oh yeah, send all of your pets over to uh, old man Frank's lawn. <laughs> Good. I need more snacks. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> These are battling pets, not critters. <laughs> All right, quickly. Our own Lang Theris is currently the temporary leader of the herd of space cats that is our EVE online branch of AIE. In related news, every other corp has pulled out of that sector of space for some reason. I yeah, I think why. it was a calm, and it went, ah! All right, and Star Wars. Well, as uh, Dakar mentioned, right now there's a 12-times bon uh, bonus going on through the, through the end of the month. That is right, yeah, end of October. Uh, awesome. Because, you know, on October 28th or 27th, pardon me, uh, <laughs> Star Wars Knights of the Fallen Empire is due to hit the shelves. Woo! We have a great discussion going on right now in the forums about bucket lists, which I think OMF kind of went over there, and things to do before all the fun begins. So, Old Man Franks, what is on your personal bucket list for um, Star Wars right now? I have uh, one more character to finish leveling to 55, which is when the bonus XP goes away. And then I'm going to probably have to pick one, maybe two, because I'm a serial alcoholic, characters to finish leveling through the uh, current expansion's content and basically be ready for when that expansion hits so that I can jump right in and start enjoying all the fun times and figuring out what the heck is going on because this story is weird. It's so weird. I have no clue what's happening. <laughs> And we don't expect to see much of you for that first few weeks. Oh, you will. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Um, so on our sister, one of our sister podcasts, uh, Sword Tour Escape Podcast 109, Bounty Hunters and Troopers in K-O-T-F-E. That's fun to say. Uh, this week, AIE Sima, Max the Gray, and... Astro Trek Epic, I always have a hard time saying that, 108, discuss the Knights of the Fallen expansion, Knights of the Fallen Empire expansion, pardon me, um, the news on class changes and new abilities for bounty hunters and troopers. Ooh, they also yes. cover other game news in the week from SOTOR in general and all the fun stuff going on in AIE. Catch the live podcast and chat room on Monday nights around 10.30 Central at twitch.tv slash new, new overlords. Also, speaking of Max, because it seems to fit right in with him, are you a runner? Do you love yes. Star Wars? Yes. Join Kazrick Ka Dark Kaz and join the Dark Side Challenge on April 16th and 17th, 2016, in Walt Disney World. On the 16th, he's running 10K. On the 17th, he's running the 17K. Um, wow, that's I copied that strangely. So anyway, um, sweet medals for both races, but in running both, you can get the Death Star medal. Plus, you also get to run through Walt Disney World before it opens, and there'll be lots of great opportunities. So, going to be in the area at that time, Walt Disney World? Go ahead and join Kazwick for that Dark Side Challenge. I'll be over here having an asthma attack. Yeah, I'm not sure I could walk 10K right now, nope. let alone run it. That's no moon. All right, so design your own ship in Star Trek. A ARC? ARC? What is it's that? ARC. ARC it's is the... looking for dedicated captains to assist with the construction of our latest ship. Head over... 
Over the next two months, the team will be designing a new Federation carrier with the help of players like you. Not like me. No, no. But like you. <laughs> Player votes will determine what ship is built. You can choose what your ship looks like and ultimately see your ship come to life as we continue updates until the ship is released. Voting started on the 24th on Twitter, Facebook, and on ARC's forums. So there we go. When, when the carrier is finally announced, are they going to say, carrier has arrived? Please no. <laughs> okay, so Wildstar has been in the beta stages for its free-to-play model for a few months, and now the day has finally come for it to go live. AIE had a division in Wildstar when it first launched, but was closed after a certain time of inactivity. Sadly, that happens, but with free-to-play comes less of a barrier for players, so the division has been opened once more. We hope that you'll join us and give it a try. Please head on over to the Wildstar forums if you need more information. It's a pretty fun game. It's all right. <laughs> I beat it in you know, two weeks. But, man, there were some crazy rules. Like, I, I was given a friend code, a refer friend, and it was like, my friend who referred me was going to be responsible for all my behaviors. So if I decided to be a jerk oh and mean to people and stuff, it was in the agreement I signed that I didn't sign until my friend said it was okay. And then, you know, gave me a look over the internet, which meant it was a pretty big look that, that <laughs> I would behave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually so, like that. So, but if I had if I had done anything to get me banned, I would have jeopardized their account too. And I that's like just insane to me. We, so. we need to install this idea in the AIE guild. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, I'm bringing up the monster meeting. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but, it was, but in two weeks, I got a house, I got a mount, and I got out of the starting zone. I beat the game. <laughs> Yay! I know. Works. All right, overachiever. Mm-hmm. With that, let's go. Let's get back to talking with Razzie and OMF about Dungeons and Dragons. Now, I want to give a little introduction to this. Um, Razzie actually came to us ages ago and said, "Hey, you know, if you ever want to chat about Dungeons and Dragons, I'm your guy. Yeah. What do you think?" And we're like. Originally, we're like, no, you know, we kind of try to keep it to game specific and yada yada. And they were like, no, we need to do this. Yeah, because <laughs> I think a, lo a big part of a lot of gamers is that tabletop aspect. Um, mm -hmm. Except for Ludra. Um, well, okay. again. I, play, I play games. I've got Carcassonne and I play Pandemic and Small World. Yes. So don't you dare. Everyone I know, starts. I know. Exactly. Um, and also the fact that, you know, Tet and I have both well between the two of us i think we have like 50 years of D, &D experience <laughs> really thought it'd be something kind of fun to do so yeah. rather thanks for your patience we just kept okay let's do it now let's look at here we never had time in the schedule like finally we're like okay you know what we have a free week what do you think mm -hmm. and then as soon as i mentioned um D, &D omf's like i want it on that show <laughs> <laughs> so. i see where omf's priorities are right yes <laughs> Yes. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just kind of go over people's history with D&D. Aludra, I know you kind of just gave a gist of it. Um, so I want I want you to kind of tell everybody what, unfortunately, your history is when it comes to D&D. Um, um, 
I came, okay, so I always thought that sort of thing was cool in high school, but nobody would, like, nobody would game with me at, like, at anything, and I was really quiet in high school, too, so, I mean, yeah, and uh, so I finally found a game group that did this sort of thing, and they let me watch, is basically what it boiled down to, like, they, they, they did everything they could, these guys, yes, group of guys, did everything they could to make this game seem as technically difficult and as intimidating wow. as impossible. And it really did put me off until I realized that um, they were just being jerks. You know? <laughs> I mean, oh, no, you have to yeah. use... The, one of the guys once said, I yeah. need some of my actions to blink. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Utterly, I was like, but isn't that an automatic thing, blinking? And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, do I need to use an action for breathing? Because they're pretty much on par. Wow. I, I know, I know. So, so they did Who's all the check me off. No, no, they were just jerks. So I, I probably got kicked by now. I mean, gosh, I hope nobody else would put up with this. <laughs> I was high school girl. What am I going to do? So since then, I've looked for other groups, but they've all been filled with those creepy guys you don't want to D&D with. You know what I mean? Like the ones who yeah. are like yeah, I do. ruling over each other's female characters, let alone oh. an female at the table. And you're just yeah. like, I'm going to just pass i need i need like it's something that's i've always found neat but never had the opportunity to get into but we'll we'll see maybe if we can find some solutions because i know there's a lot of different tools out there now yeah yeah so like kinda, up where you can find the creeps and we're not gonna find the creeps um so Ted, what is your D D experience uh being a robot apparently <laughs> a little robot we love him. I'm going to make him a robot doll one day. <laughs> I've tried everything. Um, pretty much like yours. I mean, I started playing grade school slash high school, uh, did DM a little bit, played a variety of characters and alignments. D&D, Shadowrun, um, what's the, the old West game we were playing? Um, Deadlands. Deadlands. Played Deadlands recently. Um, I much prefer when the combat system supports the role play as opposed to having to try and role play the combat system. If that makes sense. No, I I can see what you're going with that. Like if I can throw out a reference here, system you you prefer you you do not prefer systems like White Wolf and Exalted. You don't like that. Oh, that's right. We did play White Wolf, didn't we? Um, not for very long. Yeah, no, it was, no. I like where you can, you can say, this is what I'm trying to accomplish, and even if you don't have the ability to completely act it out, at least there's a fallback in the system where you can say, you know, like, I'm trying to persuade this person to do something, and depending on how good or bad you do, you know, you may need to do a role as well to support that, um, you know, that sort of thing, whereas, you know, well, you can't do that until you act it out. And it's like, no, I want to do it the other way around. So <laughs> the more of an open, an open system. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, I've been a gamer since high school. I actually had the exact opposite situation of Aludra. I was in 
sophomore, you know, a few days in my sophomore year of high school, saw a guy right in the DMG. I'm like, D&D, that's always sounded interesting. He's like, I would love to play. I'd love to, you know, run, run a campaign. You know anyone that wants to play? I then found three female wannabe gamers. I'm pretty sure my DM thought at this point he was the luckiest nerd ever. <laughs> no. He was. He was. Because he well, gamed yes, with four cute interests. Well, cute. I was there. But I mean, besides me, three cute um, <laughs> oh, gamers that wanted to learn how to play D&D. And it was okay that our first combat system, me as the mage, I'm like, he's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to cast a spell. What cast? What spell are you going to cast? I don't know. Something that hurts them. <laughs> I'm like, fairy fire? Is there one that maybe sounds like it might be weapon related? Maybe like missile <laughs> in the name? So, start. start. Right, right. Um, so I have always, you know, I've been lucky. That was, you know, 19. Um, I was <laughs> Mickey's old, people. McCall is old. Um, no, you're not. Shut up. Get off her lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> and I've pretty much been, except for a few year, you know, like maybe like a three-year break, break recently due to real life, I've been almost always in a campaign since then. And there was a time in college where I was in like five games a week. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> wow. I may have majored in, yeah. So I've been able to play D&D, Call of Cthulhu, um, World of Darkness, which I'm getting back into, which is going to be fun. Um, Shadowrun, a variety of heroes campaigns, uh, Deadlands. So I've done quite a bit and really quite enjoyed the idea of you know, the idea of gaming. Mm-hmm. So, Razzy, what is your experience like when it comes? You know, what, when did you start gaming? What's your experience? I started playing D and D when I was, I must have been twelve. Wow. wow. Um, and I, it, it was a chance encounter. So <laughs> here's some, here's a, here's a movie startup for you guys in case you want to film my childhood going into D and um, I was in the gaming section of a Barnes and Noble bookstore in the mall, and I was going through the bookshelves, and then I saw this. It was 3.5 back then, but the 3.5 core player's handbook looks like this leather-bound tome if you're looking at it from the front. And I Did saw you this thing. Upstairs. No, no, I don't have it with me. I don't, but we I, do. I, I, have it upstairs. I don't have props like that. Shit. Uh, no. We have um, them. But anyway, uh, I saw this like it was facing out, so I got to see it, and I'm like, "What is this business?" And my 12-year-old arms are like reaching up, and I'm grabbing it, and I open it up, and it was not creepy at the time, but looking back on it, it was a little bit creepy. One of the employers comes over and says, "Oh, are you interested in D&D?" And I'm 12, and here's this 20-something to ask me this question. I'm like, yeah? And he says, yeah, well, we don't. We play a campaign here every Tuesday. If you want, your parents can, like, drop you off, and, like, we can teach you how to play. And I was like, maybe. And long story short, and a lot of parents babysitting me through sessions, um, I started to play D&D with this, with this group of people. And it was such a different gaming experience, because normally when I gamed, I was alone in my basement playing a video game by myself with no one around me. And then there was this weird time of like, no, you have to work together. And these people aren't all buttheads and doofuses um, like they are at elementary. Um, Since then, I have gone through periods of 
playing D&D very heavily for a year or two, and then a huge gap because I don't have people to play with. College was one of the worst times for me like that because I, like, I was trying to find a group, and there were groups on campus, but they were cliquish, and they just would not let me play with them, and I couldn't oh, like, that's recruit the worst. them. So I was just like, well, I'm done for four years because no one will got fracking play with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, recently I have found a group up in Edison, New Jersey, who I play with people. Um, and it has gotten better. It, it's not perfect. It's not where I would like it to be right now because we've, we've currently had a month-long hiatus because people, we're, we're a bi-weekly campaign and there's been some scheduling conflicts. So it's not perfect, but it's much better than what it was in college. Nice. That's really crazy. You always hear about colleges when everybody, you know, gets into the things that they've always wanted and are supposed to be, in theory, more open to meeting new people inside. I know, right? It was God. so much fun. I, I said, I've got to be a friend, you know. <laughs> totally not bitter about the whole experience at all. Not bitter at all. <laughs> oh, so OMF, what is your experience? Well, here's the weird thing for me. I actually started playing in college. Um, yeah, awesome. My junior, my junior year, I was sort of neighbors with this dude named Michael Magnus. We all call him Magnus. And he and his girlfriend introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons, first through video game adaptations and then through the actual tabletop experience. And I am so sorry. Let me shut that off. Um, yeah, my first uh, campaign was had something like nine to ten players. and my my DM basically said, hey, you can be anything you want. So I start flipping through the books. It's like, well, okay, what else options is there? So he hands me the monster manual and the book for, you know, the rules nice. on creating uh, player characters out of monsters. So I start looking through. It was like, hey, can I be a dragon? I was totally joking. But then he turned right around, flipped through the book, looked through it. Uh, there's not really any way to make this work, but I'll homebrew something for you. Nice. So my first character was this weird mishmash of, human sorcerer and dragon that had weird advancement rules for when he got things. And for some odd reason, because I wanted to be cool and have a claw, I had a claw weapon because, hey, that makes sense to me, right? It was goofy as all hell. Several times I asked him if I could re-roll it and just, you know, play a regular human sorcerer. He's like, no, no, stick with it. It'll be great later on. And then the group broke up because, hey, 10 players, you're not going to schedule that very well. Um... So after that year, I stayed on campus that summer and that group of friends basically started playing this weird overarching campaign where it's like, everyone's going to roll super high level characters. We're going to play a series of one shots. Whoever wants to run something can run it. And whoever wants to bring ridiculously overpowered munchkin to death characters, go right ahead, but expect to die. So roll lots of backup characters. Wow. So I spent that entire summer playing and rolling up different characters for game sessions that could just happen at the most impromptu times. You get a phone call saying, hey, this is happening. Can you make it? It's like, no, I've got summer class or no, I'm out with a girlfriend or whatever. And so, yeah, we spent the entire summer doing that. That was ridiculously fun. That's amazing. Yeah. My senior year was probably the only time I actually played a actual ongoing for more than three weeks campaign. Uh, I played some, I played some other caster because, hey, stereotypes. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> Um, I, that, that game went on forever. It was a lot of fun, except for I had, there were some player conflicts that didn't end well. Right. Um, 
I think after that, uh, after I graduated, I was still visiting friends in Waco, where I went to college on a regular basis, and they all said, hey, you have, you've played Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. Well, we want to learn how to play. Oh, gosh. I've, I've never run a game before. Well, that's okay. We'll all learn as we go. Oh, no. Awesome. Oh, no. <laughs> it actually oh, no. You, you, you say that, but it actually ended up working very well. I ran, exactly. a, three, I ran a third 3.5 edition game. Um, it was a lot of fun. We could only play once a month because that was the only, you know, the maximum amount of time I could spend in Waco because, hey, right. I'm an adult. I've got a life. I've got to actually be, you know, earning that money. Right. Um, so that, that ended up well before everyone basically stopped coming to Waco on a regular basis. We all, you know, had to end up moving on and getting on with their lives. And so basically after that, my D&D playtime more or less dramatically got shortened. Um, I played a few online games with some folks from D&D. This was actually my first experience playing 4th edition. I listened to the Critical Hit podcast, so I knew of 4th edition, but this is my first chance actually playing it. Um, I played one game where Xerbius, I don't know if anyone remembers him, was the DM. Uh, The Valentines were in that game. Uh, So was was Sulegna and his wife. I'm trying to remember who the heck else was in there. Um, That that went on for a very long time, but again, scheduling. Scheduling is a bane of Dungeons and Dragons groups. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, every long-term game that I've played in since then has been online, but it's broken up due to no one can make it due to schedules. I actually tried to start up my first uh, in-person gaming group up here in Colorado uh, not too long ago, but then two of my players discovered, oh, hey, we are having a baby, and we have to move out of our tiny apartment into a town very, very far away. Was that you? What? I said, was that you? No, 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 no. I'm done moving. I'm here in Colorado for the duration. (laughs) so yeah, um, my most recent experience, I've been playing with the crew from Geektopia on my first 5th edition game. Yes, yes, last night. Yes, yes, we we, uh, we recorded our second session last night. It was a lot of fun. 5th edition is mystifying to me, because I've been at a 3.5, which it more resembles a 4th edition for way too long. So yeah, basically, it, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a great learning experience, and we're having a ton of fun on there, so uh-huh. yeah. Very cool. So we've been, we've been throwing around additions a lot. Um, so Razzie, I want to know. One, yes. One moment, I have a word from my producer. I'm going to put myself on mute. <laughs> First off. Yes. A little. Okay. okay. Just a quick question. Have you guys done ever done speaking of scheduling play by email? I've never done that one. No, that's a that's a new one for me. I have. Yeah. Once. This. Yeah, there's one where you basically, you know, roll up a bunch of 20s, 12s, you make all your rolls, email them to the DM, and then the DM sends out emails to the individual characters. You respond to that email, and then he sends you the next, you know, task, and it happens as everyone's able to check their email and report in. So it's not, you know, in person, or it's not roll 20 over the video, but it's actually an ongoing campaign that you can play at whoever's pace, you know. So just curious. Go ahead. I know I know that campaign style by I know it by a different name as the play by post campaign. Um, yes, I have found exactly. them to be over the long term, while I will be there for the player, the player will slowly, slowly lose interest because while there will be those times where you're both online at the same time and there's the rapid fire exchange of emails, those times when you're not online, they will slowly lose I, my my experience only. 
they slowly lose interest because they're not getting immediate gratification of their actions. Right. Right. So I have done it one ones of times and then ones not of times. Ones. <laughs> <laughs> so talking talking about editions, you know, um, there's a ton of editions out there. Yes. Razzie, what editions have you played, and what do you prefer? Wait, what's an edition? What's an addition? So I would be happy to explain the concept to you, you Eludra. Right. Yeah. So story time. Though D and D is a game older than me, I have sat down and played through the games from Redbox. So D and D, when it first came out, came out in a box, and it's colloquially, colloquially referred to as the Red Box because Again, it has I can get our, I can get ours from upstairs if I need. It, yes. <laughs> We can have to, we can have Tet just Photoshop like just edit in just pictures of these things, right? Right. Right. No, they're upstairs. <laughs> okay. So there's the red box, and that was what D and D started out. It was, it was very, it was a very fundamental game. I don't believe it used more than D twenties and D tens so. and D sixes. Um, but it was a very, it was all inside the box, and then that was followed by the blue box. Literally. And then after that, second edition came out, and you can think of editions as. Expansion slash remaking. Revisions. Of the game. That's the way to think Revisions. About. Revisions, yes. Because while it keeps many of the things that work, it tries to add new stuff while fixing other things. So the so addition- a patch. Exactly. Yeah, but patch. more long term. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's patch. more of like you know how like before you start an expansion, you get that patch that puts in the mechanics that are going to be changing. It's kind of like that patch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 actually a really good way to think about it. Except um, you have to buy a ton of things every time a patch comes out. Well, right. I didn't say that were, there were downsides to this system. <laughs> I was just going to explain how it worked. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, so the additions that most people probably know about are second. 3.0 and 3.5, 4th and 5th. Um, probably more the 3.5, the 4th edition, and the 5th edition, because those are the ones that got the most play, arguably. Um, I have experience, I have lots of experience with 3.0, 3.5, 4, and 5. Right. Um, those are the editions that I have the most experience with. And personally, I, pr- I like 5th a lot. I understand a lot of the criticisms of it, but I like it a lot. Fifth did a really good job of going back to basics, where I got used to fourth. Um, fourth plays like a video game, where fifth kind of went back to the fundamentals. Yes. Of here's your class concepts. Here's what you can do. Here's when you can do them. Instead of you can only do this once, and <laughs> you need to use it wisely. And you know it's you know don't. Is it on cooldown and what have you? <laughs> the reason I like 5th a lot is I like it. My, my love of 5th edition comes from a dungeon master, not necessarily from a player point of view. But teaching people with 5th edition is so much easier than with 3.5 or with 4th or with 3rd. Because character creation, if any of us remember the long skill queue on the side of 3.5 character sheets... And all oh, yeah. the math that went yeah. into it, skills skills are much more compressed, which I like. Dying, which is a big fear factor for a lot of new players, is very hard to do. To, to die past right. their level is a very difficult thing to have, have happen if your party is at all competent. Um, so that's good for newer players. 
Um, and I also like how um, in three in three point five leveling up was a little bit difficult. You didn't necessarily have a path to go down. And fourth edition gave you some like there are some prestige classes here, some paths to go down. Um, but they all sort of like some of the melee classes felt a little samey to me. Um, some of the ma uh, the magic users felt a little samey. Um, and th again, the same thing with my powers are on a time cool limit. What's going on here? Right. Um, but fifth edition, the the archetypes it offers up, I feel, are distinct enough that it warrants their them being there, and that's really important, especially when you are if there are two rogues in the party and one of you is an assassin and one of you is a burglar. Right. That's really important that you feel different. Yeah. We have we have two rangers right now in our party, and they are definitely not the same. Yeah. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> so, um, OMF, what is your experience? What uh, what editions have you played, and which do you prefer? Um, I started out in 3.5. Uh, probably the vast majority of my actual play, and pretty much, well, no, I take it back. Most of my dungeon uh, mastery experience has been 3.5. Uh, I've done a lot of 4.0 as a player. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've run one 4.0 game, which was actually for uh, you, Tets, and everyone else who was at Spectacular this year. Yeah, don't find and... certain things. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna be in so much trouble. Um, you are. <laughs> and I played exactly one fifth edition game. Um, I really, really liked 3.5 when I started playing it because I am. I don't know if this, you know, is a shock to anybody here, but I am ridiculously attracted to the idea of magician, mage, wizard, sorcerer archetypes. Right. So when I'm playing yeah. my <laughs> when I'm, you know, looking at, you know, the uh, spell lists for all the, you know, different spell casting classes in 3.5, like these are huge. I can do so many different things if I want to. I love it so much. And you jump into fourth edition and I can look at there and I got I only have four spells. <laughs> right. I, I can't change them what the crap this is terrible yeah yeah, yeah. and if it, it, i i really liked a lot of what fourth edition did i liked how it you know made very clear you know in, in almost a video game sense of when you very could nice. do certain things when you got certain things back and i i was also a big fan because i never played a healer class at all in thir third edition because i always mm -hmm. wanted to kill things right so when you, when you get to fourth edition it's basically like everything can kill things and then do something else on top of it Right. I like, I like that design concept, but I, I know that there's a lot of flaws in fourth edition. But that is a really big win that I think fourth edition had that a lot of other RPG tabletop games have not necessarily picked up on a whole lot. But I, I haven't played enough of fifth edition, or I don't even own the books yet. Right. To uh, to give it a fair shake of okay, I do I like this more than fourth or three point five? On the surface, it looks like a lot of a return to you know the, the overall design of 3.5, where you know you can, you have a lot more options in terms of what you can pick and do with your class, with some of the improvements of just uh, basically like maintaining the flow of the game and differentiating when you can do certain things that Fourth Edition was able to build and you know incorporate into its uh, overall design. But like I said, I haven't read it and played it enough to say for certain that it's my new favorite. But I have a feeling. Just you know, again, based on the two sessions I've been in, that I'm going to enjoy it a lot if I can get more into it. So, Ted, what editions have you played, and what's your favorite? 
Uh, robot 1.0, Robot 2.0. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So I started out on Redbox and have played everything from, you know, the original Advanced Dungeons and Dragons to the D&D, uh, Deities and Demigods copyright violation edition, as says, um, that had the... Uh, with that Elric and Lovecraft mythos in it without permission. Whoops. And Whoops. we actually have a copy of that. Um, uh, all the way up through 5.0, um, including, and you know, some people say, well, that's just a variation of the video game, but all the gold box editions uh, on Commodore 64 and, and you know, IBM PC, um, which were just computerized versions of the modules that they published back then. Um, which were awesome. So, um, do I have a favorite version? That's a tough question because, again, going back to the, the original question you, you, know, you said about D&D experience, I'm more about the, the campaign and the role-playing than the system. Yeah. And so as, as long as it supports the role-playing aspect of it, I'll play in whatever system you want. I think from a purely mechanical standpoint, um, 3.0 and 3.5 were... I remember them liking them better because it was such a change-up from uh, version 2 and... What was two and a half called? Uh, crap. Was the, uh, no, no, no. There was a pack. There was a book that came out that kind of made it like two and a half. Uh, I can't remember. I'll, it'll come to me later. Um, so I like the change from from two to three because it was a significant change into opening up the possibilities of what you could do. You weren't limited to just a set of spells and things like that. And I think um, I did enjoy four a lot. What I'd really like to see is I'd love to see the Deadlands system wrapped into D&D because I think that the Deadlands system with how it does dice and how it does successes and, and failures and stuff like that works really well with the storytelling aspect of it, but um, I'm enjoying fifth right now. And I'm with Tut. I've been, I never played Redbox, but literally I'm a first edition baby with, you know, Dragon Magazine articles thrown in for interest. Uh, Pretty much played everything from out there, um, bits and pieces. I have found though that the versions I enjoy the most are the ones that have been whatever edition, but house rules. Because mm. I think that really does make things interesting when you have a DM that kind of creates things, creates classes for players, creates variations, things like that. Um, so that's, I'm going to say that's kind of my favorite is something where you have a lot of ability to customize. And it's been pretty fun. I feel we would be doing a disservice to the people who make the game um, if we didn't mention Pathfinder. Um, Pathfinder, for those who don't know, Pathfinder, for those who don't know, uh, is created by, not by Wizards of the Coast, but by a company called Paizo. And Paizo are a 
breakaway group. I don't know if that's the right way to call them, but they were former people who made D&D. Um, Pathfinder is like 3.5, but for everyone who plays Pathfinder who calls it the golden of all expansions of all different systems, they say it's the best edition that everyone should play it. I've never had a good experience with Paizo, but with Paizo, with, uh, with Pathfinder personally, your experience may vary. Um, I hear, though, that it's extremely similar to 3.5 in almost every regard, though. Oh. All right, I'm going to test one more time. Is this any better? It's a no, bit. It's pretty much the same. You can come over here and use my mic. <laughs> yeah, you mic, just turned on my camera. There we go. I, I really give up. Um, no, the, the one thing, and I think Ralph mentioned it in the room, the one thing that I... The one thing I really enjoy was, um, I think it was GURP, when you were rolling up yeah. a character. It may have been Traveler. That you could die during character creation. What? That was That was a fun aspect of it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, guys, you know, we all have our preferred, you know, as OMF mentioned, what we love to play. So, what are our preferred alignments and classes? Razzy, take it away. What do you love to play? Uh, I'm going to get so much heat for this. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Dude, really, you've already told me you hate my alignment, so go on. I, I really like playing bards. I really oh. do. And and let me explain. Because when you can cast arcane spells through the power of your rock god guitar. Right. Exactly. And right. when you multiclass into a barbarian, you're going to be the Bardarian, who actually oh my God, their acts. <laughs> and can sing themselves. you can sing your own battle hymn music as you rush and rage into battle. There is nothing better. Um, that is awesome. But, but, a, but a close second... But yes, the Bardarian. But a close second to the Bard is probably um, Sorcerer. I like how a Sorcerer... like Not... Not for the reasons you're thinking of. <laughs> I like sorcerers for the roleplay element because everyone says, oh, wizards and sorcerers, they're basically the same thing, right? No, they're no. not. They're sorcerers, so sorcerers, have it, sorcerers have it in their blood. It's in their being of this magic. Wizards are people who are taught. Um, right. In 5th edition, there are warlocks who are a very interesting niche, and I'm learning to like them a lot. Too. Yes. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, uh, I like bards and I really nice. like uh, sorcerers. And what's and your preferred alignment? I have a very hard time being chaotic in any game I play. Right. Um, it's, it just doesn't fit, fit my personality well. It's never, it's never something I can pull off well, and any time I try, it feels forced. Um, generally speaking, my characters tend to be neutral good. Mm -hmm. I sometimes play lawful neutral characters just to... I really Balance. like the law side of things, like... You stick by a code of rules wherever you go, and those rules help dictate what you would do and how you react to things. I really like that. Nice. So, OMF, I know you said you like the magic-y magic -y. <laughs> What is your preferred alignment and class? Um, in 3.5, I was pretty much in love with the sorcerer mechanically. I like the idea of you have a small defined list of spells that you can cast as many times as you want. I like coming up with the you know, the appropriate combinations that I could, you know, use to the best of the ability. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like determining all that. Um, I also really liked, uh, like Razzy said, I really like the role play aspect of sorcerers and just, you know, how, how they, they're almost like mutants in the X-Men right. universe. It's like 
you know, that people don't understand your magic. You look weird. You're not a typical wizard. And they, they, uh, they don't understand you and you're, you know, an outcast. Unless you, you know, put out all those skill points into diplomacy and intimidate or and either charm the crap off of them or make them right. so scared they run away. That, that was always fun. Um, in fourth edition, because, you know, there was such a squishing of uh, available powers and stuff. I actually fell in love with a class from the uh, Eberron Players Guide, the Artificer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I could never get an Artificer to basically figure out how it worked in 3.5, but when 4th edition came out and kind of you know made that whole standard, here's your at-wills, here's your encounter powers, here's your daily powers. It's like, okay, well, I, I can wrap my head around this. So I came up with an Artificer with a crossbow who basically shot people in the ass to heal them. <laughs> And the first person I ever pulled that off on was Renee Valentine. She was not very happy with me. Nice. <laughs> and neither was JJ. Um, no. Yeah. So I, I really like sorcerers, artificers. Um, basically, I I, uh, I think I played a druid in one of my 3.5 campaigns that was basically all about summoning things because they were really good at that, if I remember correctly. Um yeah, I've never been much for you know, just like in all the all the MMOs we play. I've never been much of a melee person. I don't like getting in. I don't like getting in there. I like to stay back and alter reality to suit my whims. <laughs> you've never experienced uh, full joy until you've run, rushed head first into the crotch of a monster, saving your own battle. In. You're, you're try Bardarian out, man. It's 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 the life changing experience you need. If I can ever play again, I would. I would love to. Um, you will. In terms of in terms of alignments, I have a hard time being anything but good on that particular aspect um and i'm not a lawful person i can't really role play very well so i usually end up being neutral or chaotic good mm -hmm. all right so Tut, what about you preferred class and alignment can you hear me i yes. can yes. and it's all not right. i know thank god this is back or something uh Honestly, of all the classes I've played, all the alignments I've played, <clears throat> my favorite has to be what I'm currently playing, which is a chaotic good sorcerer. Uh, Ooh, chaotic yeah. good sorcerers for life. <laughs> uh, a very converting one. Well, I, I took the uh, I took the um, hermit. Um, archetype and he'd been basically raised in a monastery um he's half drow so who would play that race right what kind of monster yes he's half drow raised in a monastery and now that he's finally out in the world he's sowing his oats as it were and he's got flamboyant you know he's got a 17 charisma he's you know as as is goes with the sorcerer and he has very high persuasive uh, capabilities and he likes to show off. So he's a, you know, it, it's a fun character to play. It's something you can get into. My other character, which seems to always be the bane of Heather's characters that, that I had fun playing in fourth edition was my cleric named book. Yes. He was named after the firefly character and I played him very much like book where he was kind of reserved had an opinion but kept it to no. himself and thought different thing you know like mccullough's character i swear <laughs> was a, uh, let's see what, what what did we say Go it was, on. Uh, blessed by tamora 
And she's <laughs> like, no, I worship a dead, yeah. a dead death god. And I'm like, a no, dead no, god. You, I'm like, no, you were blessed by Tamora, completely blessed by Tamora. And she <laughs> looks at him like, you know, he's got two heads. So it's, it's awesome. For some reason, the past two campaigns, our characters have completely played opposite. opposite. <laughs> even the Deadlands campaign, um, even our Deadlands campaign, our two characters were opposite because I played a character that had a trait that was, um, he didn't believe in the supernatural, and everything in Deadlands is supernatural. And my character was <laughs> well, not really in that existence. Oh, no. Oh, I like, see it, but uh, magnets? Uh, exactly. No, it exactly. Was, it, was, it was magnets, it was swamp gas, swamp and it was gov- and government I conspiracy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It was it was the best thing because he'd see something that's completely blatantly supernatural, and I'd come up with a completely plausible explanation for it, and the DM and everyone else would just look at me like I was completely crazy and partially brilliant for coming up with what, what it looked like. So, yeah, it, it was fun, but... Um, the other one, and this goes back a while, the other character that I really enjoyed was I played a uh, character that became a werewolf due to an injury, but was on the wrong he side of a war. A <laughs> yeah, and, and he was on the wrong side of the war. He started out as a good character and has slowly descended into uh chaos and neutrality not chaotic neutral but but chaotic tendencies neutral tendencies due to the lycanthropy and uh we never picked up that campaign in no. years but that was a fun character it's never lupus dude <laughs> so always lupus the last 20 years of gaming has actually been brought to you by Tet and I playing the exact opposite characters. <laughs> yes. um, it's bad. We because actually, I, I play the same side as her, my character gets killed. Invariably. It, ha- it happened oh. once. It oh. happened once. His character needed a magical blood transfusion. My character gave it to him. Forgot the fact that she's, you know... Royalty? The crown princess, and <laughs> then, yeah, the king arranged to have him killed. Oh. So, um, <laughs> well, the blood was coming out one way or another, dead or alive, you're losing that blood, so. Yeah, you can't, didn't want him having any claim to that throne, hence why we're a chaos symbol. Um, so, I love a chaotic neutral rogue, desperately. Two of my favorite characters have been chaotic neutral rogues. I'm playing a neutral good character right now. And How's that working out for you? Not <laughs> great. She's a chaotic neutral half drow cleric of Tempest who's very reserve and more priest. More priest. You know, spent the last few years in a military camp and yeah, um not really fond of the other half row trying to get into her pants constantly. Um, <laughs> 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 yep, that's our campaign. We you know, you know that's right, Boot Jagger. <laughs> that's that's not honorable in battle. I like um, Warhammer well, outside the head thing. He's not being an honorable in battle, so no, that's fine. That's up to him. Um, but no, I t- I do tend to actually really enjoy the chaotic characters. Um, my preferred class is rogue or caster of some sort. 
And I really like, I'm actually, I'm thinking about playing around with a uh, fifth ed warlock. And I actually also have a preferred race as of lately, as we know from the D&D campaign at D and, and Nurturacular, which is, I like a changeling because that goes with my chaotic nature. Mm. But that's beyond yeah. the point. Um, yeah. 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 It's gnomes. You love gnomes now. I'm going to be killing you. <laughs> I'm pretty far up on it. I will end you. Have, All right. Have you ever seen the weird little like, cartoon when fourth edition came out when gnomes ceased ceased being a playable race? And so with someone, and they they became a monster. And so someone made a really short cartoon where someone's interviewing the new tiefling race and the, and the new monster uh, gnome. And the gnome goes, I'm a monster now. Rawr. That's cute. That's awesome. All right. So, you know, as Aludra said here, promoting her um, fact that she's not been able to play yet um, due to a variety of factors, there's some really great tools out there um, to play online. So, Razzie, could you kind of give us maybe Cause some money? Because everybody knows the creeps avoid going online. You know what? That's some really good, even with people you know who live in different states. <laughs> so the big one that probably Old Man has it will mention in his own, but I'm going to mention first. Roll twenty. Roll twenty dot com is the big new thing. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I took it from you. I took. I took yes. your. I took your. You can comment you on it too. Mojo Man. It's okay. I have another one. Okay, good. Uh, I'll let you have that one then. Um, but Roll20 is this is the newfangled site. Um, it you can sign up for free. It is it is a you, it is a useful tool because not only can you find D and D when you look for campaigns under Roll20, there's a whole bunch of systems you can search for. You can search for D and D three point five, fifth ed, fourth. You can search for Call of Cthulhu. You can search for a whole number of things in the search bar. Um, but yeah. In terms of playing D&D, it's a really simple tool because you sign up, you make an account, you search your time frame, your day, your language preference, and the game type you'd like to play, and you search for, for, for open threads that have, have desire for players. Um, you can apply, you can check them out, you can see what's going on with their website. Um, I would say, however, it's a little bit of a different tool if you're if you're trying to be a dungeon master or the storyteller in most instances, because while the site does provide you with tokens and backdrops for the free accounts, the premium people, the people who donate to the site, get a lot more, and they get a lot more detailed. So their tokens will actually look like they intend their characters to look like. Sometimes when you do search engines for tokens and you type in, like, gnome, you'll get what's very obviously a harpy token. But for some reason, oh, wow. it's tagged weird. Um, but whereas if you're a premium player, if you're a premium member of the site and you search up dwarf, you will only get dwarves. You will not get anything else that's tagged weird. Um, but the site is relatively easy to use, especially if you're getting into D&D for the first time. Um, as far as the strangers things goes, yes, stranger danger still exists online wherever you go. Um, oh, it's not so much stranger danger as as if I find a group, I'd kind of like to stay with a group and not be chased right. out by a creep. Definitely. Yeah. Um. And I I will say that uh, Roll Twenty has some amazing people on it. It has some fantastic groups. Um. Cool. It has some amazing dungeon masters. There are always bad there are always bad apples yeah. in every bundle, but yeah, 
if you if you if you just look for them, you're going to find them. And most oh, every group yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but it's just like, oh, so discouraging. It's like I didn't want that that first experience with with 15 year olds being creeps and yeah. not wanting a chick in their zone to be the the one that set the tone. But so far in my experience, it really has set the tone right. for <laughs> for all of my D and D experience, which is kind of a bummer. Generally Very speaking. Much so. Generally speaking, Roll20 is actually pretty good because even if you have never played D&D before, you can tell which DMs care about their campaigns and which don't by how much effort they put into the advertisement page, like how much description, how much, a little bit of exposition dump they do on the front page. You can tell which DMs actually care and want to have good, consistent players versus the ones that are like, hey, I'm playing D&D. On a gum. Yeah. So, OMF. Any good tools, suggestions for online um, play? The I've used Roll Twenty for I think uh, two of the games I've played on that have been online. Um, the first online game I ever played, uh, we actually used a website called RPTools.net, which has a whole bunch of free tools right. uh, that you can that you can make use of. This is before Roll Twenty even existed, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, one of uh, one of the fourth edition games I played that was run by our guildy Shrimpicles. He managed a campaign on a website called Obsidian Portal, even though we actually played on Roll20. So we, uh, it's basically got kind of like a login, you know, shared space that you can use to, you know, work with the uh, your players and help, you know, plan the direction of the campaign and kind of, you know, publish little previews of what you can expect in the next session or, you know, publish the whole thing if you want to, you know. It all depends on what the, the, uh, the DM is using it for. Um, those are the three that I've used the most. Uh, I love Roll20. Um, it's really, really good, um, and it, it definitely it's it's very, it's helped me, you know, just play with folks that I know and I know who are good people and fun to play with and aren't jerk faces, you know, from pretty much all over the world. Right. Cool. So all these links going to be in the show notes for everybody else who might be interested, like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. What so? What do you guys use for the voice piece of it? Um, do you use World Twenty? Do you use Skype? Google Hangout? What do you use for the actual interaction, not just the rolling part of it, Razzie? Uh, I was gonna say OMF should take the first one because I oh, took OMF? his thunder. I took his thunder oh, yeah. for the first day, so okay. he should have this. Brother of mine, what do you use? Um, I've used Skype and Google Hangouts. Personally, mm-hmm. I find that Skype just works better. Just okay. not, not for anything specific. Just every time we try using Google Hangouts, it's not worked well for us for some reason. So okay. yeah, for the most part, cool. Skype or you know, even mumble or vent if you if you really want. Right. So what about you, Razzy? What do you find to be the most useful? Skype? All right. So for me, I find Roll20's in-engine in, in voice to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my personal use of it. Because while there were never instances of roboting, sometimes there would be screen freezing. But honestly, it's, it's your voice I need to hear the most of. Um, Skype seems to be the most popular. That's what everyone seems to be using a lot more. Maybe that's because they don't trust the site in case the site crashes for whatever reason. Um, I personally don't like how Skype interacts over international waters because every British player who I've played with just sounds the choppy. It's it's terrible. Um, but generally speaking, I have never seen anyone offer me muffle or vent. Hi. Mostly because the site and the Skype you don't have to. Um, and so maybe the people they want to invite into vent and mumble, those would be maybe the in-house people that you can recognize and 
and play with and know who, who they are rather than inviting absolute strangers into your channel. All right, so one last question because we all have real war stories and we oh, fairly short and we may have already gone over this. Oh, no. So, OMF, I'm going to start with you. Yes, okay. What is the most outrageous thing that has happened to you either as a player or a DM? Um, I'm going to share a quick little humorous story from when I was playing my very first game. Um, and then I'm going to basically embarrass the crap out of Heather. Uh, really? <laughs> um, I know my, <laughs> yes, I'm aware. In my first ever game, we were, you know, this is the big 10 person third edition uh, game that I first one I ever did. Um, we were fighting these group of zombie Umber Hulks. If you don't know what Umber Hulk is, it's basically a giant kind of, you know, anthropomorphic beetle of creature and you know it was it was undead so one of our players you know after we'd beaten on the sink for a while you know dealt a pretty severe uh, critical hit to it and basically said ask the dm is it dead the dm said yes he started to move past it because he had taken his move action yet and the dm informed him he took an attack of opportunity he's like what you said it was dead he said, it is dead it just hasn't stopped moving yet nice and we all groaned. Um, as for DM, <laughs> um, th this this comes Don't from. Don't make our... me speak thieves can't at you. <laughs> this is from our Nertacular campaign this this past uh, this past Nertacular. Um, I was I I was a DM. My players included two of our lovely hosts, and <laughs> go on. One of the. Uh, <laughs> One of the first NPCs I had them come across was a gnomish character that was a jewel keep a jewelry. Uh, she was a jewel crafter and she owned her own shop, and her name was Minerva. Minerva mm -hmm. Kala. Yeah. Kala. Uh huh. Keep <laughs> I going. Think, yeah. Now, just to let you know, Makala in real life is a little on the short side. A little. <laughs> and so. My wife and I like to jokingly call her a gnome, and we've been doing this pretty much ever since we met her in person. So when the opportunity came up that I needed to have a NPC meet them at the front gate and show them the way to where the next plot point was, I decided to make it a gnome, and I decided to name her Minerva Kala because I'm evil. And at the end of the campaign, it turned out Miss Minerva Kala was actually the big bad evil girl, and she was also a dragon. Yeah. Those aren't they always dragons? <laughs> no, I will have to say though, my theory immediately on what was going on in this town was it was fairy dragons. I was right. Right. Okay. <laughs> to, to an extent, yeah, you were you were correct. To, to an extent, because I played my father the dark. All, All right, right, so Radley. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yes. Do I what also get two stories? One as a player and one as Dungeon Master, or do if I pick one? If we can one? make them short, of course we do. I will pick the one as Dungeon Master then, because that's lo it's longer, but it's better. Um, so a while ago, I was acting as an assistant DM to a very, very high level. Oh, I guess it was level 16. It was a moderately powerful game. And one of the players had been forced to bring his very, very young brother to this session because like, there was a babysitting issue. And so this, this kid had just finished reading Aragon, the, fir the, the first book. And he demanded that he be allowed to play because he wanted to be a dragon rider. And I'm like, well, okay, we'll make this character for you. And so when I suggested, like, oh, yeah, you should be a fighter and you should have this, he's like, no, I want 60 feet of cold steel chain and I want to have a, sa a dragon-sized saddle at all times. And I'm like, 
all right, this is what it costs you. (laughs) I mean, like, dedicate your cause, but I don't know when this is going to happen. So to make a very long combat sequence short, they are fighting fighting a lich. And this lich has set up a series of runaway portals um, to go to different elemental planes. And the last plane he goes to as a back, as a fallback plane, is the pl- elemental plane of fire. Um, so they come, they come through this chase sequence, fighting three different ele- elemental planes, fighting the flora and fauna there. And they get to this hellish landscape onto an, uh, 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 a stone island in the middle of a floating lava sea. And um, wow, that sounds really hot! Like yeah, killing yeah, hot. It is. Um, <laughs> And so the party begins fighting the Lich, and the Lich starts summoning his, his cronies. And as part of what I have to do for Dungeon Masters, I have to randomly generate, like, whatever random fauna happens to be in the area. And so I'm rolling up, 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 and the last thing I roll is a natural 100. And on this chart, it says 100 is you pick whatever you want from on this chart twice. <laughs> and so I, I was wow. like, I look down the chart, and I see, like, Lava Salamander, and I'm like, you know what? I feel like changing this up a bit. Two Lava Dragons. Um... And basically what happened is combat's going on, and then this kid's character sees one of the Lava Dragons come out of the water Shamu style and then come back down. His character breaks away from combat, runs to the edge of the, of the platform, and just starts lassoing up his chain, getting ready to go. Um, when, the, when, the, when the Shamu comes back up out of the water, he lassoes it, succeeds on the strength check, pulls himself up mid-arc, gets on its back, ties the rope around it, survives being under lava with damage for five rounds. Oh my god. <laughs> Somehow manages it. Comes back out, and they've made this mental connection while he's been trying to tame it under under lava, and brings it back up. Meanwhile, the party's been losing this, this combat because they've lost one of their big party members, and they've been b- being pushed to the edge, and this kid, riding his lava dragon, comes up out of the lava, lands in front of the group, and lava breathes on all of the guys. And he wins oh them God. the combat. He wins them the combat because he did that. And that is my most outrageous story from Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. So, can you drop that? Because I don't know if I can. No, no. This one time, uh-huh. Tetsemi got killed because his blood was from his <laughs> Pretty much. Oh. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. <laughs> And she probably knew it was going to happen, too. No. That, that's what really I, kills it. I was she recently had any clowns. What kind of man her father was? <laughs> no, I think just... I think just everything... Honestly, everything's memorable to me. All the all the games we played. I don't have one particular that um, that that stands out, but there have, I've been in some memorable campaigns where I've seen other characters do some amazing things, like jump on the back of moving animals and you know roll a natural twenty to actually stick the landing, that sort of thing. Ten yeah. from the Russian judge. <laughs> It was I 12 am. for Russian judge. It wow. was that good. All right. Wow. I may have, you know, um, my changeling rogue may have broken off from the group combat because I was trying to get away on the horse, jumped on the horse, successfully backstabbed him. His friend was also trying to get away, jumped to the other horse in the same action after backstabbing this guy, and completely disarmed him and rode back with the two horses. 
Okay, so from this story, I can tell which two characters brought loaded dice to them to D and D. No, no, Baba Dragon Boy and McKellock. My dice usually suck though, but that particular character was fourth ed, so she credited on eighteen, nineteen, or twenty. And this is actually why Ted's character thought I was blessed by the gods of luck because I could jump from one horse to another, and it was awesome. <laughs> All right, so. Any, any other war stories you want to share, or are we good to go? Because we can probably go on it for the entire night about d Yeah, we could, but we should. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to be it for our show tonight, guys. Thank you so much for an awesome show talking about one of my favorite things in the world. All right, so uh, while the chat room against suggesting titles and why tech gathers, maybe the titles that Sybil is suggested, because there's been some really good ones out here. We want to thank the guys for joining us. So, where can we find you guys on the interwebs? OMF, where are you? Um, easiest way to track down what's going on in my life, twitter.com slash thebmat. Nice. And Razzy, are you anywhere out there on the webs? Uh, I am not anywhere on the web where you guys can find me. The easiest way to try to get a hold of me is through extralife.com and just find me under there and message me there. Um, awesome. Yeah, I, I don't have a Twitter. I'm, I'm not internet famous. I don't have those things. You don't need to be internet famous for a Twitter. Nope. Not at all. Not even remotely. All right. So if you have a question or comment about our show, you can email us at podcast at AIE-yield.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. The show is at AIE Podcast. Aludra is at Aludra underscore AIE. Tetsemi is at Ivory Tiger. And Michaela is at CyberWave. None of us are internet famous. We record live <laughs> video every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can join our chat room and play along with us on our website at theaiepodcast.com. Our theme was composed by the amazing Andrew Allen. Follow him at Keys with Soul. Or visit his website, keyswithsoul.com. I almost made it through without needing to breathe. Man! <laughs> <laughs> And now it's time to play all of the great AIE member segments we received this week, including overly dramatic news and the final Ask Miss Mulgra. We'd like to thank Miss Mulgra for all her contributions and segments over the years. I'm sure she's found a nice home in Mulgore, away from the hustle and bustle of Orgrimmar, where she can relax and enjoy some peace and quiet. May your totems be close by and your spells always be, be criticals. Akamagash, Miss Mulgra. Aww. I know you probably don't want a hug from a human, but here's one anyway. I know. <laughs> right before she crushes you alive. She would, too. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually kind of a bummed. All right, so next week we are talking to Kat about AIE Indie Now. Is this next Sunday? Star. Is this next Sunday or the Sunday after? Two weeks. In two weeks. Okay. Yes, again, a reminder, we are now every other week. There we Which go. So the fourth. No, real life done. Yes, October fourth. So until then, AI. This is McCall. Hey, I can read lines. <laughs> this is Aludra. And this is Tatsemi. And this has been the AIE podcast. Entrepreneur discovered.
discovers price gouging has nasty side effects. It's the Overly Dramatic News. I'm Hunts the Wind. In these days of mega flasks and potions concocted from exotic Drano herbs, it's easy to forget that the lowly minor healing potion is often all that stands between a new adventurer and certain death. A bit of peace bloom, a sprig of silver leaf, and voila, that warrior gets to fight another day. So when goblin hedge fund speculator Brax Skelly cornered the market on the two common herbs and raised the cost of this pick-me-up potion from a few silver to 1,000 gold pieces, it was no surprise it caused an uproar loud enough to wake an elf in the Emerald Dream. But Skelly's financial finagling has drawn him some unwanted attention. He's been summoned to an audience with Horde Warchief Vol'jin. In a statement announcing the summons, the Warchief said, quote, Capitalism be a great system. I enjoyed reading The Wealth of Kingdoms in econ class at school. But when the wealthy put money above honor, when they use their power to prey upon the poor, then they are no better than Garrosh, who used his power to crush those he believed were weak. I wish to remind this goblin and those like him that my horde is built on honor, not on power or greed, unquote. ODN sources tell us that Vol'jin's war axe is being sharpened, and rumors are that the warchief plans to drive his point home by engaging in some cost-cutting. Broadcasting across all Azeroth, I'm Hunts the Wind. Check out the archives at OverlyDramaticNews.com or follow me on Twitter at Hunts the Wind. Thrumka, and welcome to Ask Miss Mulgra, your source on matters of etiquette in Azeroth. Today's question is... How should you answer your final question about etiquette in Azeroth? First, if it is your final question, you should probably start by thanking the question asker. And maybe all the other askers who have provided you with questions for so long. Next, you should thank all the podcasts that have disseminated your advice. Without them, how would the listeners ever learn anything? And then thank the listeners. Without them, it would not have been nearly as enjoyable. Finally, you could actually answer the question, uh, but what would be the fun in that? I am Miss Mulgra, and... Uh, oh, oh, uh, P.S. Now it is time for the rest of you who have ideas to develop some wonderful new segments. I will be listening. I am Miss Mulgra, and that is my advice. Akamagosh! A huge thanks to all of you who have followed at Miss Mulgra on Twitter or listened to previous episodes at MissMulgra.com.